Hi, I'm Paul Simpson from the Football Club. Welcome to the Brunton Bugle. And we're looking good, you'll be in for a fight And we fight pretty good, getting goals is our job And we get goals good, looking good, we are Carlisle United Hello everyone, you're listening to the Brunton Beagle The number one place to get your Kylie fix in the podcast world I'm Lee Rooney And I'm Mike Booth A mixed end to the festive period for United is a defeat at Wigan is followed up by some New Year joy at home to Port Vale. We look back on a disappointing end to 2023 and an encouraging start to 2024 before previewing this weekend's huge clash at fellow struggles exit to city. Yes, Mike. Happy New Year. It's the first time I think I've seen you since... uh, And I can actually see you this time, can't you? It's it's our new system we're using where we, we, we... you're not going to get to see us, unfortunately, because you really don't want to see Mike's uh, room that he's recording in, his uh, little dungeon, wherever it is. But um, uh, Yeah, I mean, you could have put some clothes on for this, to be honest, you know, but I hope. <laughs> you know, I've got, the, I've got the heating on full blast, what can you say? Um, yeah, Happy New Year, Mike. Happy New Year to all our listeners as well. Um, glad to have you all with us for 2024, hopefully an exciting 2024 for Carly United. And mm. it's been a busy day today, Mike, hasn't it? Nice of the club to get a few signings sorted before we record. You know, this is the new era I for know. you, isn't it? I think It really is a new era under the politics, isn't it? Yeah. Quite incredible, quite incredible. So we'll we'll be discussing them shortly. Also, we'll be looking back on the uh, the last two of the festive fixtures, D- differing fortunes in those two games, but um, certainly an, an encouraging signs on New Year's Day against Port Vale. And then uh, obviously we'll be looking ahead to the Exeter City game, and we've got a chat with uh, an Exeter City fan coming in as part of that as well. Uh, just a reminder before we start, uh, as usual, the pod has been sponsored by the Car United Sports Club London Branch this season. Uh, it's the third season in a row they've done that. They do some fantastic stuff for the club, do the London Branch in terms of fundraising for equipment for like the physio team and stuff like that. Uh, they also do a lot of stuff for fans going to away games, exiles in terms of arranging travel and uh, tickets for games and obviously sorting out designated pubs and things like that. You can join them wherever you live in the world. If you live in Timbuktu, you can join them. If you live in Johannesburg, you can join them. If you live in, um, I'm trying to think of anywhere else you can think of, Mike, in the, in the world. Crew. must join Crew. If you mention Crew in football, it just reminds me of that famous flag, doesn't it? What is it? Um, oh, yeah. Born in Crew. Born in Crew. Dying yeah, so depressing. It's like, yeah, not 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 the cheeriest. I think it's fair to say. Um, but yeah, so if you want to find out more about joining London Branch, go to their website, carlislelondonbranch.org. Let's get into the news then, Mike. Do you want to do the transfers first, or do you want to do the, the discussion about um, the incidents at the end of the Port Vale game? I think should we do the good news first, and then maybe go onto the Port Vale? Well, we'll, what, we'll get reckon? the bad stuff out of the way. I think. All right. Okay. Well, uh, unfortunately, you know. Slightly overshadowing the uh, the impressive win of a Port Vale on New Year's Day, another incident involving a few of the minority of d- that are in the uh, the Warwick Road in this season and last season as well. Unfortunately, they were there as well. Um, this is pretty unsavoury, wasn't it, Mike? I think it's fair to say. I mean, look, yeah. When, when, when you go to games, you, you give people stick, you shout stuff at them. It, it's a joke. It's a bit of fun, you know. Sometimes just trying to put them off. What was said to Connor Ripley? Uh, I mean, part of me is like whether, whether we repeat it or not, but let's repeat it anyway. Basically, someone told him to go kill himself, essentially, and they did it quite repetitively by all accounts. Um, for me, 
that very much is stepping over a line in terms of behavior. Again, yeah. I don't know what you think about it, Mike, but it's there's no, no need for it at all. It, it's nope. just, it, it's pretty shocking. Um, apparently, um, Ripley confronted the fan. And in fact, because there's a few people I saw on the message board doubting the veracity of this and saying, oh, actually, you know, just, I think there's a little bit too often some of our fans are determined to defend the behavior of some of our other fans and it shouldn't be beha- mm. defended. It just shouldn't. And one fan did actually tweet during the game to say it had happened, didn't they? They basically said, this is, this is what's happened at the game and mm. you know, blah, blah, blah. And so it, it did happen. Um, the police have looked into it. A 13 year old boy, I'm not sure if he's come forward or has been identified, but he's um, basically been spoken to by the police. I don't think there's anything they can really charge him on, but it looks like the club have banned him at least for the time being. Um mm. This is an ongoing issue in the Warwick Road End, and I feel bad for for lads like Sonny who've done some fantastic stuff, Sonny Kirkwood in the, in the Warwick Road End, in terms of improving the atmosphere and you know the work they did on the, the painting the crush barriers and stuff like that. This is a real letdown for them, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, I've seen a few people say, you know, because we're here all the time; it's only a minority, blah 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 blah. And I've heard people say, "Oh no, but they don't represent Carlisle fans," but. At the same time, we keep having these ridiculous issues. And if this was another club that had had loads of these issues, we would be saying, well, their fans are all knobheads, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? And it's our club, it's our fans. And there's been too many kind of one-off incidents now for them to be one-off incidents at the end of the day. Yeah, and and I've seen a few people say, oh, no, the the good lads in the work, they need to rat them out. They need to rat these people out. It's easier said than done when you're a 15, 16-year-old to rat out someone else who's done that. For me, I think the club needs to look a little bit at the security in there. I think they need to be looking at potentially getting some stewards in to basically be spotters. You know, you see them sometimes at the bigger games. I mean, there was Martin Howford is listening to the pod. Um, he was sending me something on WhatsApp. He was showing me, I think it was an England game or something like that. He, um, something It looked like it was at the, uh, the Parc de France, maybe in, in France or somewhere like that. And as a guy whose literal job is there to stand and just watch the crowd and watch for the mm. troublemakers and point them out and, and get them out if it, if it happens. It's come to the point where you might just need that. And it's yeah, you know, it's not nice, but that's the harsh reality of it now. It, it's getting a bit silly how, how many times this is happening. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like the response stewards kind of stay away from there because it. I can and I can see the, the other side of it is that they don't want to kind of... Um, Antagonise, yeah. Stand, yeah, standoffish. I, I do see that, but there's been that many issues now they need to just be there, basically. And, you know, as soon yeah. as someone's acting up, just chuck them out. Simple as. Absolutely. Something needs to be sorted at some point with that, I think it's fair to say. Um, yeah, so th- there are questions, you know, it has been mentioned before, the potential for stand to be closed for a game, which wouldn't be great if it did happen, but it, it, it's 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 a possible option that's, that's looking like it's going to happen but if it carries on because things were thrown at the keeper again in the, at this game and it's just got to stop really behaving like that. So we'll, mm. we'll leave that one there and we'll move on to the good news then, Mike. Um, and that was the uh, freeze and magic number today, wasn't it? The free signings confirmed. A little bit cheeky, yeah. the third one, though, for the club to announce. Um, so free yeah, were announced. The bit. third one we'll do first. It was Luke Armstrong. So Luke Armstrong's signing was officially confirmed as having gone through. Um, Simo was saying there was a couple of issues with the paperwork in terms of how agents' fees were registered or something that the EFL mm. or the FA had changed their minds. Something that was ridiculous like that. But it was confirmed a 3.5 year deal, which is, it might be one of the longest deals we've given actually, you think, for a long time. You, I you think so. Out. You, 
you you thought first maybe Mark Ellis, but it was a two and a half year deal that Mark Ellis yeah. got when he signed for us, wasn't it? I think so, Jaden hmm. Harris three years is probably the last longest. Yeah, in the past ten yeah. years or so. Yeah, and that I mean, I can't imagine Harris was on a big wage either. That's basically a project one, isn't it? And mm. sadly, a project that probably looks like it's not going to work out in the end. Um, but yeah, no announcement of the fee, but we understand it's a club record fee and getting tied down for three and a half years. It's, it, it shows the intention of the club owners now, doesn't it? You know, to, to keep assets like that signed to the club for as long as possible. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, as we sort of develop as a club, I think he'll always have a role to play. I think, you know, right now yeah. he's going to be our star striker. Um, but as mm-hmm. we look to hopefully, you know, push on towards the championship, there's always a role for a big striker in your squad, you know, be it bit part or be it whatever. So, yeah, it's, it's good to have him tied down. And, and I think he'll always have his uses. Absolutely. Uh, let's go on to the other two signings then. Uh, first up, one that was rumoured quite heavily over the last few days and, Finally confirmed, Harrison Neal is joined from Sheffield United on a two-and-a-half-year deal. Uh, no no idea if there's a fee involved with this. We suspect probably not. It might be one of those ones where it's like a 50% sell-on, uh, which is similar to what I think what we did with Edmondson, wasn't it, basically? Yeah. Um, yeah, it, really interesting silence one. It, it, it's the kind of signing we'll be screaming out for, a replacement for Callum Guy. And um, he's previously had loan spells at Kettering, Southend United, Barrow, uh, most impressively, and at Stevenage this season. At Stevenage this season, he didn't play many games, but I think it's just been a bit unlucky there that Stevenage midfield has done so well. He's just not been able to get a chance there. And I think all their fans, if you look at the comments when he was, it was announced that he was going back to Sheffield United, all really positive about him, weren't they? Saying, oh, you know, really unlucky, all the best to the lad. And the guys from the Stevenage FC podcast who we obviously have on to talk to each season when we play them, they were raving about him saying like really, really good player when he did play. He's just unlucky that they're doing so well. He just didn't get a chance. And you retweeted something, didn't you? Something quite interesting about this. Yeah, there was, um, so, well, I thought initially when he was signed, that this was indicative of our new kind of stats based recruitment policy. And I haven't seen any stats, but from what I've seen of Neil, I thought that that's what it'd be. Um, Because he's a player that wins a lot of, tackles, wins the ball a lot. Mm. And yeah, this um, kind of stats uh, software, uh, if you pit him up up against Callum Guy, um, Neil won more aerial duels, more ground duels, more tackles, um, better dribbler uh, than Guy last season. And, you know, Guy was brilliant last season. So um, obviously Neil, Neil was playing in a terrible, abysmal, Barrow team, so to <laughs> to do that playing for them is is only a good thing, and it's good because you know everyone knows how much we miss Callum Guy while it's been out. So it's good to get that replacement in early in the window. Yeah, absolutely. Get getting someone in who can do that role, and you you would not be amazed if he started against Exeter at the weekend. Would you really, in terms mm. of filling that role? And and the positive there as well is hopefully it's going to give Moxon a chance to push forward again and actually yeah. do a bit more further off the pitch because he's had to do so much defensive work over the last couple of months that you're not really seeing the best of a player of his quality, are you? So with any luck, that'll, that'll really free him up a bit. The other signing is a little bit of a surprise one. Um, Sean Green has joined on, I presume it's Green, I'm, I'm just guessing the pronunciation. I should probably should have checked it before. He's joined on loan from Crystal Palace until the end of the season. Um ex-Bohemians player. He's featured at under-19 and under-21 level for the Republic of Ireland. He's a regular for Palace's 
uh, under 21 side in Premier League two. Um, seems like a player with a bit of potential. A bit of surprise that we signed a centre-back. But then I suppose a couple of years ago when we signed Dinel Simi, it was similar, wasn't it? Where we were a bit like, do we need a centre-back? And actually, if it's a player who can improve what you've got, that's not necessarily a bad thing, is it? I think it's maybe indicative that because Simo has done a lot of chop and change in, in recent weeks with the formation and this and that. And, mm. you know, obviously we're going to touch on the Port Vale game soon, but I think it's Simo acknowledging, all right, yeah, three at the back is what works. It's what worked last season. You know, I yeah. need to stop chopping and changing and we need to have a fixed system and we need to work with it. And I would guess that Green would be a part of that. But for, for me as well, him bringing him in earlier in the window indicates that you know it's not a panic signing it's someone that they've obviously done the homework on and to me it maybe indicates why Simo had so much patience and persistence with Plange in that you know if he was wanting to get Green in in January he didn't want to piss off Crystal Palace if you like. No I think you're absolutely right there that there's an indication of you know we want to keep a good relationship going there and it's the third window in a row that we've signed a player on loan from Palace. When you look at it, mm. Gordon, Plange, and then Grehan, obviously. And mm. yeah, I think there's an element of that. And obviously, we, there's clearly a good relationship there because I think their academy manager is um, Sean Derry, isn't he? Or he's involved there at the very uh, least. Right. Obviously, Der- Derry and Dabbit are very big pals, aren't they? And, you know, you want to keep mm. him happy and you potentially, you know, if, if Green has a really good loan spell, then next season when we're hopefully going to be pushing up the right end of the table, if we stay up, obviously, in the, or if we're in league, Two pushing the right end of the table, mm. we'll be able to get a better quality of loan player from them as well. Maybe mm. and Palace produce some really good youngsters, don't they? So yeah, it's not not a bad club to have a good relationship with in that sense. So interesting to see how Sean fits into the team. Um, I think Mellish's place is pretty safe in the, in the back three, uh, which I'm presuming we're going to stick with for a bit now. Lavelle, yeah. you'd think probably as well. So maybe competing with Barkley for that other centre back role at the moment, possibly might be the way it's yeah, going. Yeah, I mean, you know, Barkley legend for that goal against Bradford but he hasn't been that good this season for me I think it's definitely a, pl- a position that has needed strengthening no I think you're right there I think it is an area we've needed maybe a little bit of extra quality but he did have a fairly decent game against Port Vale which we'll talk about shortly but uh, but there you go uh, one of a little bit of transfer news um Absolutely no surprise to anyone Luke Plan just gone back to Crystal Palace at the end of his loan spell was it 26 goals Sorry, 26 goals, though. I wish. Uh, 26 <laughs> games. Calm, calm, calm yourself down, Lee. 26 games, two goals. It's pretty damning, isn't it, really, for a, a forward player that cost a million pounds a couple of years ago. It's Yeah. With the greatest respect, he's on a one-way ticket to Horsham, isn't he, really, and the, the way he's playing at the moment. Yeah. I mean, you know, no doubt his technical ability. You know, and he can carry yeah. the ball really yeah. well when he wants to, but it's the, it's the work rate that's the issue. And... Unless he sorts that out, he's not going to have a career in the football league. In its consistency in that sense, because actually there was a couple of games where you saw that work and you saw him really prepared to, to fight and try and win mm. the ball. But when things weren't going well, he was not up for the scrap at all. And you ca- you cannot afford mm. to have players who are like that. You just can't. No. It's lovely. You need players who are prepared to put the, put the fight in when you're at the bottom as well, especially. You know, and the difference I mean, don't, don't when you look at the way... Ra- well, well on, I was sorry. just going to say, you know, there, there are some players who don't put the effort in but they'll just score goals, you know. And you yeah, know, you know, Jermaine Beckford, for example, he wasn't a grafter, yeah. but you know, he scored goals. No. But Plange didn't have the goals to let him to do that, that you know, and let a team carry him. 
No, yeah, you're absolutely right. The difference when Ryan Edmonton comes on, and you know, Edmonton will get criticised for drifting out wide a lot, won't you? That kind of thing. But actually, when you look at the effort he puts in, it, it makes a big difference to the team sometimes. So, so there mm. you go. Um, right, I think we've done enough of the news section. Nothing else to pick up in the news, I don't think. I think that's where we're at at the moment. No, no new signings been made while we're uh, while we're on the air. I don't think. I think no, I think they'll wait until after we've policy. recorded for the next one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, right, let's move on to it then, reviewing the two Christmas games. First up, Wigan Athletic 2, Car United 0. Um, interesting one, this one, Mike. Obviously, you weren't able to attend this because you were working, weren't you? I think, I think you managed to watch it back. Um, yeah, well, it's funny, actually, because my depot is obviously nine miles away from Wigan's ground. And I thought, oh, if I finish handy, I can maybe make it to the game. And I've never been so glad to be caught in traffic <laughs> and not be able to make the game. Because, yeah, it, it just wasn't very good, was it? Well, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Looking back and reflecting on it, first half wasn't great. We we, we were we weren't outclassed in the same way we were outclassed against them in the game at Brunham Park. But we did struggle a bit to get a grip on it. And I don't think the players quite knew what the formation was, which we'll talk about in a minute. Second half, actually, when you look at it, we had a lot of chances. And we could have easily got back into the game. And I know some people are like, oh, Wiggins off their foot off the gas. They did, but they very, they found it very difficult to get their foot back on it. That's the thing, because we, we were constantly trying to push forward. Yeah, the quality was lacking. Absolutely no doubt in that. But I, I think on another day with a little bit of luck, one of those goes in and suddenly the game's completely changed. You know, that, that's that's the mm. difference you see, whereas, yeah, it, it just it just didn't quite work out for us in this game. Um, in terms of the team news, when that came out um, before the game, Taylor Charters dropped to the bench. I don't think we were massively surprised by this one because he's coming back from a long-term injury. And I think Simo is very keen to be dictated by what the medical team tell him on this kind of thing now, isn't he, in terms of preserving yeah. players for the... Excuse me, bloody hell. For the long term. <laughs> I've got I've had a bit of a cold over Christmas, I think it's fair to say. Um, yeah, preserving them for the long term. Um, so not massive surprise there. Ben Barkley came in for him. The big shock was Luke Plange being completely dropped, wasn't it? Yeah, not even on the bench, was he? Um, and people, well, Radio Cumbria seemed to think, because Simo had some comments following the Fleetwood game about the subs yeah. and that they didn't do a lot. And Radio Cumbria seemed to think that those comments were maybe aimed at Plange more than some others. Well, there was only two subs that came on, wasn't there? I mean, you can't include Barkley because he came on in the in the, with like thirty yeah. seconds to go. Whereas it was Gibson and and uh, Plange that came on, and I think Gibson did a bit better than Plange. Yet Gibson didn't come on in this game, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but yeah, it was a bit of a talking point beforehand, a bit of a positive talking point for a lot of fans. If I'm being brutally honest, uh, I spoke to him at the pub before the game, but yeah. I really struggled to work out what formation we were playing at the start. Mm. I heard a few people suggest we were playing wing-backs and we weren't. We were definitely not meant to be playing wing-backs because in the warm-up, it was a back four that was practicing the heading. Emmanuel was no, nowhere to be seen when it was head, the head doing heading practice. It was Barkley, mm. Lavelle, Mellish and um, Armour. They were doing mm. the, the heading practice. Once the game started, I, I was like, well, is it a 4-4-2 probably? It seemed to be maybe with Edmondson and Maguire up front. Robinson on the left, Manuel on the right, and then McCallman and Moxon in the middle. And then I was like, well, maybe it's a 4 3 3 with Manuel a bit further forward. Emmanuel didn't seem to know where he was meant to be playing. That was the problem. Mm. And he was getting caught out a lot. And it really showed in the early stages. We were like, 
there was one point where he was playing pretty much on the left wing for a mm. good minute or so. Like, and this wasn't like after a quarter or anything like that. He was just literally just turned up there. <laughs> it was bizarre. We, we, we couldn't work it out. The opening goal for Wigan, there's no argument what the penalty is there. No, I mean, it's funny. I, I was listening to it on Radio Cumbria and you could just hear mm. Chris Lumsden on the co-commentary just saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And then he slides in. Absolutely ridiculous penalty to give away and there can well, be absolutely no complaints. The thing that frustrates me about it is he, he's left a bit exposed out there. He gets a bit caught out. Fair enough. When the lad gets past him, he has about a two or three second window where he can put a tackle in give away a foul outside the box and you'll say, mm. yeah, it's a stupid tackle, but fair enough, he had to do something there. And I was saying like, okay, if you're going to do it, I was almost saying the opposite to, to Lummy. I was like, if you're going to do it, do it now, do it now, do it now. Mm. Like, no, no, don't do it now. And literally as soon as you say that, bang, he slid it. That, at the exact mm. point you don't want him to do it. At that point, you're like, just leave him. Just let him go mm. and, and hope for the best. Mm. But as it was, he brings him down. Um, McGinnis sticks up, steps up, sorry. And, um, Oh, he was very close to Gabe Breeze to saving this, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Uh, you know, and I think that would have been a massive confidence boost for him, but sadly it wasn't to be. But you know, I mean, obviously we're going to touch on Port Vale as well, but Breeze hasn't really done a lot wrong since he's come into the team. Um No, and, no. And I and I think to be honest, I think the defence might be defending that little bit harder, knowing that there's a young lad in goal. And that isn't necessarily a bad thing, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we will talk about that at the end of the Port Vale bit, actually. It's, it's a really good talk mm. about that, uh, to be fair. Um, second goal for Wigan came about 20 minutes later on the 36-minute mark. Liam Morrison, the lad on loan from Bayern München. Um, yeah, just slack defending on a corner, isn't it, really? A, a decent mm. ball into the near post where the lad loses his marker and flicks it on, and then I think Jack's just got to be a little bit tighter, Jack Armour, on Morrison, doesn't he? I think he, he lets him get in front of him and just poke the ball into the back of the net. And Yeah. What I would say is, although although Breeze hasn't done anything wrong in it, it is one of those ones you look at it and you think, if Thomas Holy's in net, he probably claims that because he's so big, he can come and, he'll come and claim that the ball going across. Yeah. That's, that's, and that's not Breeze's fault. He just isn't the size of, of Holy mm. and any keepers are. So mm. that, that's just that's the only one area where you do lose a bit when Thomas isn't the team. I think it's fair to say. Um, but yeah, a two nil. Yeah, it, it wasn't great. Um, Wigan did hit the post early on as well. Actually, we forgot to mention that. Um, the best we had really was a curled shot by Emmanuel that went over the bar. There was one slight shout for a penalty in the first half for us. It was very hard to tell down our end of the pitch, but it, it looked like it might have been a soft one if it was given. They had a couple of shouted penalties that were never penalties. To be fair. Um. Into the second half, a much improved performance there, wasn't it, in terms of creating chances and two or three really good opportunities. I think the flicked one from Edmondson, brilliant save from Tickle, to be fair, from yeah. you know a, a quick reaction to palm that behind. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, there's another one where Armour from a low free kick from Robinson scoops the ball just wide of the post, and then uh, Joe Garner's chance. He's got to bury that surely, hasn't he? Yeah, I think. Maybe five years ago, he'd bury it seven days a week, wouldn't he? But yeah. it's just sort of showing he's he's got them limitations now, hasn't he? But I think it's one of them. It's interesting, Dan said this the other day, is that this season, when we score one, you feel like we're going to score another. And I, I feel like yeah. if we'd scored one of those chances, we, we could well have scored another. But we, we've just lacked that quality to get that initial goal. 
but often yeah. once we get the initial goal, you know, we get a bit of momentum Give and it the carries confidence. us. But yeah, but we just didn't have that quality, and it's the story of our season, really, isn't it? Yeah. Should be said though, should we have had a penalty on that very same free kick? Um, I don't know. I've not seen the sort of oh, this was oh, the, uh, on Jack this was the assault yeah. on armor. Yes. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it is. I mean. That is up there with um, Jabbo's clothesline at Yeovil, isn't it? Yeah, basically straight out before, of WWE. It's ridiculous. So before the free kick is even taken, the ref's having a word with him and saying, "Stop the pulling and shoving." And then, as the free kick is taken and comes in, Sean Clare basically grabs Armour by the neck and throws him to the floor. Essentially, yeah. Not only mm. is it a penalty, but it's a straight red card because it's violent mm. conduct. Essentially, yeah, yeah. Nothing given. Um, I wouldn't say Joe Garner got some retribution on him later on, but he did catch him with a possibly slightly stray elbow later on. There was a yeah. oh God, there was, I forgot to mention this, right? So Johnny, who listens to the pod, will know this. And also John McGee, I sat with and uh, Chris Earl. Um, there was a guy sat near us. We were sort of to the, we were, as you look at the pitch, we were to the right of the goal in block N1, I think it was. Um, or was it N2? N2, sorry. There was a guy sat near us. Oh my God, his patter throughout the whole game was appalling. Like he, he kept shouting out, Premier League and you effed it up, Premier League and you effed it. I was like, mate, they had eight seasons in the Premier League. I think they're pretty happy with that. <laughs> they won the FA Cup as well. Like, yeah. come on. Like he wouldn't stop doing that. But he was basically accusing Claire of faking it and cheating. I mean, he was clearly knocked out. <laughs> it was pretty obvious mm. that anybody sat around us. And God, he, some of the stuff he was coming out with, absolutely nonsense. Like, so, some of the rubbish that comes out some of our fans mouths sometimes is ridiculous but um myself included, but yeah um no to be fair i can't even argue with that myself um <laughs> in terms of in terms of coming out of my mouth i should, should, should say there um and there was one more chance where malish had a good break into the box and played it to garner whose shot was uh deflected behind um and yeah, that was it. Another game where we failed to start well, isn't it? That's been a big problem this season in terms of starting games. And it's something that we really need to improve this month, I think, in terms of you know the new players coming. Hopefully that can give them a lift. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't know if it's... Because Simo has this philosophy with kickoffs, doesn't he? Where he likes to just boot it out for a throw-in right in the corner. And in League Two, you know, you're putting teams under the cosh and they'll make a mistake in that third of the yeah. pitch where they don't want to. And it works, but I feel like in League One, players are just that little bit better technically and they're able to yeah. work their way out of trouble there. Yeah, I wonder maybe things like that, we maybe need to start looking at doing something a little bit different on the on the kickoffs. I think you're right there, mm. especially with the goal, kick, goal kicks as well. It's been a little bit different the last few weeks, hasn't it, in terms of that, because Gay Breeze is, tends to play them a bit more central than Holy was always target armour on the left, whereas... Breeze is targeting Garner a bit more. I don't know if that's a tactical decision generally by the team. I'm not sure. But, uh, but I, th- I think Armstrong that. will massively change that as well. I and mean, he's going to help us keep the ball in that third. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Jordan Gibson not being even used off the bench in this one. It was uh, Edmund. It was, uh, sorry, Garner, Butterworth. Uh, I can't remember who else came on. Sorry, I've got it written down here, haven't I? It was, uh, yeah, Garner, uh, Charters and Butterworth were the ones who came off the bench and Gibson wasn't used. Surprised? Um, To be honest, I wasn't as surprised as other people were. I think a lot of people suddenly got this rumour, didn't they, that, oh, he's off. We've accepted a bid from Stockport and Lansfield and all the rest of it. But Simo said before these sort of Christmassy 
New Year Eve games that we're going to have to rotate a bit and there will be some players mm. left out of some games and they will play the next game. And I didn't, I wasn't looking too much into it because in my head I was thinking, well, if he starts against Port Vale, that's that's that. And he did start against Port Vale. Um, so, yeah, I didn't really yeah. look too much into it, but I know a lot of other people did. Yeah, it's an interesting one with him, isn't it? Because he, he's played pretty much every game this season, hasn't he? So there maybe mm. it's a case of like with this busy Christmas period and now we've got a busy January coming up as well. You don't want to burn him out your best player, do you? You, you want to make sure you, you keep him at the very least, you know, a, a decent exactly. level of fitness. And, uh, so, and I'm, yeah. Yeah, and I, I know as well that Port Vale have had a mad injury crisis at fullback. And I think when we played them, I think they had a 16-year-old on one side and a 17-year-old on the other. Yeah. So Simo maybe yeah. wanted Gibson fresh for that game. Um, but at the same time, why have him on the bench? Because, you know, I've always thought you've got players on your bench. If someone goes gets injured in the first minute in that position, they're going to need to come on. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And if you're pushing to try and get a goal in the last 10 minutes, surely you'd bring him on to try and, you know, have a decent impact there. But yeah, but yeah obviously he decided not to. Um, other points on this one. Um, a little bit of the poor discipline in this game. Six bookings picked up. So that's a, a, a thousand pound fine for, for the club. Because if you get six bookings yeah. for your players in one game, that happens. Um of those bookings, some of the bookings were ridiculous, to be fair. And the ref was giving them out for every single tackle. But the one that really wound me up was Sean Maguire's late on. Um, he won a free kick, mm. to be fair. The lad had brought him down. It was a bit of a sloppy one, just inside their half. And then he walked away and he was arguing with the player. And as the kick was taken, he, he kicked out the player or he, he did something to the player. The ref blows up, gives them a free kick and books Maguire. And it's like, you've taken mm. all the impetus out of an attack there. And that really won me. It's just a stupid, stupid thing to do. But you get mm. that from players sometimes, don't you? So it, it just little things like that do wind me yeah, up sometimes, I- but... I mean, I think we said a few weeks ago we lost, I can't even remember who it was against, and we said that we were disappointed that we didn't get any bookings because it sort of showed a lack of fight. Yeah. And But yeah. this was just stupid bookings. There's showing a bit of fight and there's stupid bookings, and this was definitely the last, wasn't it? Yeah. There's a there's a there's an area in the middle that you need, you need to hit at there, really, isn't it? So there you go. But yeah, yeah. I think overall, actually, I mean... When you look back at the performance, it wasn't that bad a performance. Certainly not as bad as like your Cheltenham's and other one Blackpools and things like that. There was a bit of fight there, especially second half. And what a fantastic away following again! Four thousand one hundred in there on a Friday night to watch yeah. a team bottom of the league went one in nine. In- incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Really. So, hat off to every one of you who travelled exactly. down for that game because the weather w- was not nice. We got drenched walking to the ground beforehand, um, and mm. I think I just about dried out by the time I got home at about. Half ten or whatever it was, so uh, so there you go. Mm. Um, well, let's move on then to the uh, New Year's Day game and a bit more joy. Cal United two, Port Vale one. This was more like it, wasn't it, Mike? This was a bit more like the the Cal United yeah. we remember from last season. A bit of fight and spirit there, wasn't there? Yeah, exactly. And late goals as well, as well. You know, and the drama. Oof. Yeah. Um, but we we were, we deserved it, you know. There's no two ways about that. Yeah. And and we played some really really good football at times as well. It, which, you know, sometimes it's hard to do that when, you know, you're struggling a bit. Players don't have the confidence to be stringing all these passes together and taking extra touches. But, no, we, we played some really, really good stuff and we're definitely good value for the win. Absolutely, absolutely this one. Um, in terms of the team selection, no surprise, once again, Luke Plange wasn't involved. Simmer did admit after the game pretty much that the loan deal wasn't going to be extended um, or they had no intention to at that point. Um 
Three changes from the Wigan game. Gibson, Garner, and Charters came in for McCallman, Edmondson, and Armour. I suppose Armour maybe was the big surprise there, the ones that were were dropped from the team, possibly. Um, went back to the back three with Barkley at the right side, Mellish on the left, Vell down the middle, and Robinson got a chance to show what he can do at left wing back rather than midfield, which he's been playing recently. And Manuel mm. as well at right wing back as well to see him playing that role. Um, and it, it, it certainly seemed to have a good impact didn't it on the team they looked a lot more familiar in that formation didn't they than they have done for a long time yeah definitely and I feel like Emmanuel is not a fullback I think his positioning isn't good enough to be a fullback but as a wingback I think he's mm. got the athleticism and he, he can get up and down and he, he caused their uh, fullback a lot of problems um, but I think yeah for him he's a wingback we need to be playing him at wing back if we're going to be playing him yeah. really. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, first half we dominate in terms of chances. There was a long range effort from Gibson that was tipped over and Charter shot wide. Gibson also had a chance early in the uh, second half, a little bit of an acrobatic overhead kick effort, mm. and then uh, it just kind of felt there was a feeling of deja vu, wasn't there? Because switching off at a corner, sloppy defending. Jordan Gibson, to be fair in him, he had two or three men to try and pick up at once and he, no one yeah. got out to support him quickly enough. They got into the box, balls played across and, and Garrity pokes it home from fairly close range. There's an argument from a few I've seen online that Gabe Breeze maybe could have done a little bit better on this goal and if it had been Thomas Holy, people might have been having a go at him. I mean, I think what the shot was probably uh, seven yards out. I think yeah. if strikers are taking shots from seven yards out in the box, it's the defence you need to be looking at and not the goalkeeper. No, I think you're right with that. I think the, the defence was the issue. There's maybe an argument he could could have done better with it. But the thing is, I think even if he gets a hand onto it, there's a chance someone's going to be there to poke into the empty net anyway from, from close range because mm. there wasn't really anywhere for him to palm it away to him because of the power on it. So, so yeah, really frustrated at that point. You think, oh, here we go again, basically. And they nearly made it. 2-0, didn't they? And actually, this is where Breeze came into his element, didn't he? He made a good long save, save from a long-range effort. And from the yeah. rebound, really good technique to make the save, wasn't it? Yeah, really good double save, that. Um, but, I mean, on the whole, you know, he he, he comes out and collects the ball um, quite mm. well. You know, sometimes one thing that people don't see a lot from keepers is, like, the way they come out and claim through balls that's something that's so mm. easy to get wrong and you can so easily get caught in no man's land. And he did it pretty, you know, self-assured. Um, his whole game yeah. was was pretty good, you know. Yeah. There's, there's still elements um, of the defence not quite trusting him yet in terms of him being an inexperienced player. There was a point mm. where he was wanting the ball back from Emmanuel when Emmanuel had it in a tight area at the back. And, and he was like, he was he was saying like, I want it. Basically saying, here, here, I'll, I'll clear it. And Emmanuel kept it, kept it, then put it out for the throwing. And Emmanuel did apologise to him and say, look, you know, yeah, I should have played it back to you. Mm. That'll hopefully come with a few more games, you know, if he's going to be in net for a little bit of the long term here. That'll give him a chance to maybe, you know, show what he can do. And the players will start to trust him a little bit more. But that, that'll come with time. Um, yeah, United kept plugging away. And then uh, Maguire almost equalised. Actually, he had one that uh, was uh, poked just wide. And then... Uh, came the penalty incident. Now, when I saw this at the time, I thought it looked very soft. I thought it was a bit theatrical. He'd gone down a bit, throwing himself down. I was like, it's a soft one, that one. Now I've seen it back from the camera angle on TV. It's a stonewall penalty. He just kicked him, basically. (laughs) He's got the ball. He's kicked at him and not got any of it. 
Yeah, I, I was the same. I was watching it at home on iFollow, and when I saw it the first time, I didn't think much of it. But when it showed the slow-mo replay, I was like, oh, that's a penalty. And to be fair to the ref, you know, he only gets to see it once. You and me on first yeah. view and both didn't think there was much in it. So, yeah, we give refs a lot of stick, but I think it's it's hard to give them too much stick for that because on first view and for both of us, we didn't see it, so... I mean, it was, it was at close range as well, wasn't it? So he, he got to see it quite close up. So if, if he thinks it's a it's a far there, fair, fair play. Um, Jordan Gibson stepped up, very calm, sent the keeper the wrong way, puts the ball in the back of the net and then kept pressing, pushing forward to get that winner and left it late, but it finally came and it was Mr. Dependable himself this season, Big John, on the end of it. Yeah. Um, a great delivery from Robinson from the left. I should, I should actually give, give, give a bit of credit to Dan Butterworth, actually, because, you know, We've been critical of him this season at times in the terms of the fact that he's, he's clearly a very good talent footballer when it comes to dribbling the ball, but he just doesn't know when to release it for a pass. Mm. And may, there's an argument, you know, with this one, he didn't really have an option to release it anyway. And he just kept going and going and forced the defender to put it behind for a corner. Robinson steps up, great in-swinger, and Mellish does a brilliant job in terms of losing his man into the six-yard box, and he just powers the header into the ground and into the roof of the net. Yeah. and. I, I was right in line with it pretty much because I'd moved down to the south end of the paddock towards the end of the game just to, to get a slightly different view. And you could see as soon as the ball went, you thought, this is a really good one, this one. You could see yeah. John coming, charging in, plant his head into the back of the net, boom. And uh, Brunton Park goes barmy. And then at that point, there was only one more chance for Port Vale. It was a free kick from uh, about 20 yards and Garrity sent him miles over the bar. And Yeah. Gabe Breeze took his time over the goal kick like a, an experienced stopper, really, rather than a, a young lad. And, <laughs> The three points are picked up and yeah, just, just a, a real positive feeling at the end. And, you know, the crowd really got behind the team as well. Another 7,000 plus crowd, really, really good to see. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, considering we're down at the bottom of the league, imagine what it's going to be like when we're actually getting up towards the top. You know, we could be getting 10 exactly. you know, next yeah. season. That, that, mm. That's the excitement. Um, mm. Yeah, talking points. Switching back to 3-5-2 looks so much better, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think... Like you said with Wigan, I think players didn't really know where they should be. And I think with this, mm. the players know where they should be a bit more. And I think Emmanuel, wing-back is his best position. Um, yeah. I mean, J- J- John Mellish, I've previously sort of been in favour of 3-5-2 and I've said that that's the position where you get the best of John Mellish. But yeah. I think now in a four at the back, you also see great performances from yeah. him. So, and, and Sam Lavelle, to be fair, you know, they both, they both played very well in a four at the back, but I think they're both also capable of playing in a three at the back. Um, controversial opinion. I think that Robinson could be a better wing back than Armour. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Cause I've That's always, I've always, felt, I've, I've always said that Armour has been a fullback playing at wing back and Armour is a very good fullback, you know, and, he, and he's not a bad wing back, you know, mm. he'll churn out seven, seven out of 10 every week, but I just feel Robinson <laughs> just offers that little bit more in the final third. And you want him on the pitch I, for them corners. I, I think with Robinson, there's elements of Danny Granger about the way he plays in terms of the way mm. he, he plays the ball the and the way he cross. puts his crosses in. Yeah, I think I think Armour will bring you a lot more defensively and I think you'd, you'd, you'd feel a lot yeah. stronger with him in there. I think there'll be times when you'll want one or the other. But it's good good yeah. to have some healthy competition in that position as much as anything. And, and the thing with, with Armour is people forget, people forget Armour has, has played what? He played something like 60, 70 games in a row, you know, mm. starting. So 
it, it comes to a point where he probably does need a little break out the team, and I'm sure he'll be back in at some point. But you know, because he, he, he's a great player, and we, we've seen that down the years. But yeah, Robinson had, had, had another really good game, and is it basically a chance for him to pin down that role for a bit now? You reckon? Yeah, I, I mean, I think he's done his bit to certainly stay in the team mm. for next week. Like, like I say, I think you want him on the pitch just for them set pieces. You know, it d- doesn't yeah. matter where you play him, you want him somewhere on that pitch. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah I, fan- fantastic. And go. On. I, I think the thing that stood out from this with the playing the three five two is that you, you had a lot of uh, round pegs and round holes, didn't you? Basically, instead of square yeah. pegs and round holes yeah. that we've had this season, because. Um, I mean, Barkley looks much better on the right side of a back three than he does at right back. He looks much more comfortable yeah. there. Mellish, like you said, Mellish looks comfortable in both the roles, but you're getting so mm. much more out of him going forward when you're playing that free fighting. Well, well we, does, we saw him doing it, you know, when, we, when we're chasing that equaliser and, and indeed when we're chasing mm. the winner, we saw him do his overlap a few times and causing them a lot of problems. Um, yeah. And, and, that, and that's what you want. I feel like three five two. It, it's... It's more versatile in terms of what's going on in the game. You know, it can yeah. be a back five when you need to sit tight, but it can be also mellish bombing forwards when you need to get a goal. Yeah, he's been so dependable this season, hasn't he? I think, I, I, I think there's a strong argument for him being our player of the season so far, Mellish. Yeah, I him, think so. him and Gibson, two, two of the con- maybe Lavelle as well are the three contenders, I'd say. Um, yeah, I think Gap speaking would have of been Gibson, if he didn't get injured. Oh, oh 100%, definitely. Mm. Speaking of Gibson, um, Obviously, interesting comments from Simmer after the uh, after the game. He clearly frustrated with him because he he recognizes what a talent he is and he wants to get the best of him. And he wants him to be performing every single game, which that's probably why he's playing at our level because he's not consistent enough. Yeah, if he was if he was more consistent, he'd be playing at championship level because he's got the ability. Mm. Um, but another good game for him, and I think playing the three five two with him in the center, those three center midfielders. It also gives you that flexibility. If we do want to switch to four three three, we can push Mellish into midfield and we can push Gibson to one of the wings. If you have yeah. a striker who can play as a winger, like a Maguire or like as we had Patrick last season, mm. that gives you the option to do that. And actually, I think getting back to that flexibility will actually really help us in some games and being able to do it without having to make subs with any luck. So, so yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, Gibson, good to see him getting back a little bit back to form as well, really, because he's maybe dropped off a little bit over the last month, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, I, I felt like he was maybe given a little bit of freedom um, in that role, mm. I think. Because I've said all, I think Moxon was the deepest midfielder. I think Charters was the one kind of doing a bit of everything, and I feel like Gibson because he was he was sort of drifting onto both flanks a bit, and just he had yeah. that little bit of creative freedom that that you like to see him with. And he was a little bit frustrating because there was some times when he maybe gave the ball away sloppily, and he didn't seem desperate to win it back sometimes. But then. Five seconds later, he'd just create a moment of magic out of nothing like he does. And, and that's him. And like like you said before, if he was consistent in what he does, he wouldn't be playing for Carlisle, would he? So, yeah, you, you've <laughs> exactly. just kind of got to, got to accept it, I suppose. Yeah, and work on it and try and improve that, And which yeah. is obviously what Simon wants to do. Um, before we wrap up this bit, uh, got to give a mention to Gabe Breeze. Obviously, he made his Brenton Park debut in this game, and he's now, what, three, three, get, three appearances into his Cal United mm-hmm. career? How he's obviously not been able to keep a clean sheet so far, which is not his fault. We, we mm. should say. How do you, like you mentioned before? Do you think he he's done quite well? Do you think he's his role to lose at the moment? I mean, I imagine Simo want to bring a goalkeeper, but he doesn't seem in that much of a rush because he it looks like he's going to be playing the, uh, on Saturday, Exeter. Yeah, I mean, 
ideally, I'd like to see us get another keeper in, and I'd like to yeah. see Breeze loaned out to, I'd say, National League at the lowest. And mm-hmm. I want him playing 15, 20 games between now and the end of the season because I think that would be better for him than sitting on our bench. Um, but, yeah, he, he certainly you know, taken to it like a duck to water. And that's really good to see. Another, another Cumbrian lad in the uh, in the team. I, I do wonder if it's one of the, it's, it's been a good test for Simo as well to look and think, right, he's actually maybe worth another deal at the end of the season mm. because obviously his contract's up in the summer. Mm. You might look and think, right, okay, he showed actually. He's quite capable and he's got a bit of confidence about him and he, and he you know, technically looks pretty good. We can take a bit more time to develop him now. In the same way, you know, with Gillespie, we, we sent him out on loan to Blythe and like, yep, he's good enough. Let's tie him down for longer. Mm. With with Gabe, he's had to do it even harder way by coming into the first team and a struggling side and mm. and trying to help us get points. So it, it's a good uh, learning curve for him either way. And go on. Well, I was just going to say, I feel like goalkeepers a bit different as well. I feel like a lot of young lads, yeah. if they're not around the first team by the age of 20, they often get binned off, but goalkeepers often have longer careers, don't they? So you can afford them a little bit more time when it comes to that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think you're right on that one. Um, overall assessment of the uh, Christmas uh, fixtures, Mike. Um, yeah, it didn't start particularly well. Slight improvement and then ended on a positive, really, with a, with a good performance. And the, the first win since... The Burton game back in October, first win under the Piatics as well, in the, under their era. Mm. Um, got to really look at that and think, great, this is the New Year's resolution, new, fresh start, new players coming in, big opportunities coming up in the next month. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, there, there was a point on Saturday where I think we were about seven points away from safety. Um, and to sort of turn that round, actually now we're only three points away from safety. Exeter, a very winnable game. And if we go there and we get a win or even a draw, you know, it's two games unbeaten and we can hopefully just go on a little bit of a run. Yeah, that, that's the hope, isn't it? Uh, we're not going to go through the um, the League 2 results because there's too many to fit it. Uh, League, sorry, League 2. League 1 results. I just relegated us there. Uh, League 1 <laughs> results for the for the two Christmas fixtures because it, it, it would just take up too much time. So uh, we're going to take a short break now. Uh, after the break, for part two, we'll be back and we'll be speaking to Sam Parks, who's an Exeter City fan. He doesn't have his own podcast, but he's involved with the official Exeter City podcast and also does a bit of stuff in terms of commentary for them on there, like equivalent of the iPhone and stuff like that that um really good chat with sam really interesting guy so uh we'll be back just after the break to speak to him this is john mellish you listen to the brunton bugle yes we're into part two now and it's time for behind enemy lines where we'll be speaking to an Exeter city fan ahead of this weekend's big i think it's fair to say game at st james's park and i've got sam pars with me um sam uh, welcome to the show and just tell us a bit about yourself because you do a bit of a work for the official Exeter podcast you do a bit of commentary as well don't you yeah, uh, a pleasure to have me on, Lee. Thank you very much. Um, lovely to be here. Yeah, so I go to Exeter Uni. Um, so I've kind of adopted the club through there and big fan uh, through there now. Um, so yeah, so I commentate for the uni uh, on quite a lot of home games. And then I also do bits for the the club's podcast as well through, you know, uh, relationships that we've kind of gained through the media team, which is quite fun, you know. Um, and obviously attend home and away games as well, which is quite nice. So yeah, uh, a bit of everything, really. It's funny you mentioned about being a student at the union and doing stuff there, because when when me and my mate went down, uh, Mike, I do the podcast, we we went down to the game against you guys a couple of seasons ago. There was a large group of students stood in the away end in front of us, 
and it seems like they go in the away end every like a game and adopt the away team and they they had like Carl United crest printed on paper stuck on their t-shirts and stuff and they were trying to start random chants there it was a bizarre but amusing experience that was a highlight of a, a pretty dreadful day of football for us that day yeah, students, you know, they get to get up to everything. I've I've seen it all yeah. down there, so it, it doesn't shock me. But you know, we got a big following of uh, students as well at, at the club, which is quite nice. And um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Right, let's go back to August. Um, you guys got a two 0 win at Brunton Park, and two games later, you were top of the division. Yet here we are, four months on, and you've dropped into the bottom four. What has gone wrong in that time? Look, it's. You know, there's there's quite a lot of factors. I think, obviously, luck plays into it a bit. We know League One. As soon as you get hit by a few injuries, it kind of goes downhill. Our best player's out injured. Dimitri Mitchell doing his ACL. Um, ultimately, our best player, unfortunately. Um, the likes of Sam Nombe leaving to Rotherham as well. Our two best players on the move. And then, you know, other injuries along the way haven't helped. But, you know, it's just been very, very poor, really, um, mistakes I think quite a lot I guess we'll go on to talk about recent form but happened again at the weekend you know a good performance mm-hmm. ruined by silly mistakes so you know it's it's one where you kind of look at yourself and I think everyone at the clubs look to themselves and gone where do we go from here and it's a, a really really tough one yeah I mean the obvious question is about the manager Gary Caldwell I mean he's done a, a pretty steady job actually since he came into the club to replace Matt Taylor and yet Surely he must be under threat at the moment in terms of, you know, the run of form that the club's on and I can drop down the table. Yeah, I think, you know, it's a, it was a really, really tough one. You know, fans were calling for his head about eight weeks or so ago, quite a long time ago, you know, losses to Fleetwood and teams like that back mm. back eight weeks ago or so, people were calling for his head. And it's it's kind of reached that point where we're now in December and January. His plans are going to be in for the January transfer window which is is the problem, you know. It's kind of hard to sack a manager when all the plans are in place and they're already moving yeah. to sign players, which is kind of the debacle we've been in. You know, if if we sacked him eight weeks ago, you could have got a manager in yeah. who would set their own plans in for January. But the thing is, at the moment, we've got to stick with him because it's going to be his January plans that are going to be executed on the club. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking here at the, the, the recent fixes you've had. Um, and I think it was... A, a, I'm trying to look here, is it a nil-nil draw against Portsmouth? That's not a bad result, really, to be fair, is it? You know, and I know Wickham have dropped down the table a little bit, but that's not too bad a you know, one-nil win against them and a one-one draw against Stevie. Is she getting some results against some of the decent teams? But then when it comes to some of the struggling teams, I mean Port Vale, when we played in the, the weekend, they weren't great at all. And Cambridge obviously have dropped down a bit, and obviously Reading, you know, right down there this season, you've not been able to get results. Is it just a case of that? They're just not turning up against the the the, the small you know the smallest probably wrong with the struggling teams this season. Yeah, look, I think you know you can attribute it to two things as a, an Exeter City fan at the moment. We don't have a, an out and out striker, unfortunately, um, that won't score goals. You know, number left in the summer, so mm-hmm. we haven't got a, a true number ten out or a number nine up there. We've had to recall a youngster in on loan, Sonny Cox. He's a good player, but at the end of the day, he's not a proven League One striker at all. Yeah. So it's been goals at that end of the field that's been struggling. And, you know, you combine that with some mistakes at the back that if you had a striker, you could get away with a little bit. But, you know, no goals up front means that mistake at the back. We had a few against Reading. Um, the Port Vale game was down to a few mistakes. And, 
that just means that you start to lose those games that otherwise you could scrape a result or draw in, which is, you know, really frustrating. It's interesting that everything you say in there, I think there'll be Carl off and listening to what you've said there about small mistakes, not able to score at the other end, nodding along her. Yeah, that's, that sounds very, very familiar. It's very easy to get into that cycle and, and drop yourself down towards the bottom. Um, one thing that's always stood out whenever we've played against Exeter over the years is they've always had that quite sort of steady core of players in the squad. It doesn't, maybe I'm just looking at it wrong here. I'm looking at the squad now. It, it seems like there's been a bit more disruption in recent seasons. That it's not, that steady core seems to have almost dropped away and you, you, you bring a lot more extra sort of players in almost. Is is that the case? Has there been a notable change in that area? Yeah, I think there has. You know, we're a club that we pride ourselves on our academy. You know, we've had brilliant players come through. The likes of Ollie Watkins, Ethan Ampadu yeah. have all come through our academy and gone on to bigger things. But, you know, Matt Taylor left halfway through last season and it's kind of been you know Gary said he said openly he doesn't mind not having a team full of academy players which have you know kind of seen that core drop away we had Josh Key leave in the summer Archie yeah. Collins all academy lads uh, Jack Sparks who's at Pompey now yeah and playing good football um, so you know there's still a few players in there you know the likes of Piers Sweeney Alex Hartridge Harry Kite but even then a few of them are rumored to leave and it's not the same Exeter City team that you would have looked at, mm. you know, 12, 18 months ago and gone, yeah, this is, you know, an Exeter City type squad. Yeah, interesting you mentioned the academy there because it is something that Exeter have got a fantastic reputation for, as you say, Watkins and Ampadu and players like that. Um, they've gone on to some, do some fantastic things and the club obviously invested heavily on in their academy and training centre, didn't they, I think, in, in recent seasons with the money they got from Watkins. And that's something that we're looking to do as a club here at Carlisle. Um, how are the current crop of youngsters doing there? Because like, like you say, it doesn't seem to be too many coming through. You seem to send a lot out on loan to like, like Tiverton and clubs like that, but it doesn't seem like they're, they're pushing on this at the moment. No, we've we've reached kind of a rough patch. You know, the, the recent batch have gone off. They're either in the team at the moment or they've just left in the summer. Um, for for decent money and you know reparation fees which is quite nice but it's that kind of gap we've got two to three years where we're waiting on some players to come through mm. we've got a few you know 17 year olds 18 year olds who make the bench play the the you know papa john's yes. trophy or whatever it's called yeah. now um bristol street motors that's what it's called that's the one, yes. yeah that's <laughs> the one yeah they play in those games but apart from that you know unfortunately they're not going to get a look in in a relegation scrap so it is loan spells for them. But there's a few that could be pushing on the door, but nothing like the old crop that we've had of, of recent years. So, as you mentioned there before, Sam Nombe, huge loss uh, in, in August, you know, to lose a play of his quality. Um, a, a big impact that's had, but also a, is that sort of the, the player that you reckon Gary Calder will be looking to? I, and it's difficult to replace a player like that, isn't it? But get a similar sort of player in to, to take on his role. Yeah, like... Going into this transfer window, I think all Exeter fans know we, we just need strikers. You know, two strikers who can score goals. You know, Nombe scored us 15 goals in League One last season. He scores goals. Mm. Um, that's just what he did. Um, and obviously, we had a really good season last year in League One, because, you know, partly because of his goals. So to lose him, you know, really, really annoying. But there's money in the bank from that transfer fee. You know, a million pound striker, there's money there to, to look for a replacement and hopefully they can find a replacement that, that can just hit the ground running because that's what we need at the moment. Yeah, similar in the way that we had to bring Luke Armstrong in in January. You know, we, we've needed a player like that for a while. Um, yeah, in, in terms of other players, I mean, Dimitri Mitchell, you know, he's someone who's 
impressed quite a bit for, for you guys and you know c- certainly made an impact at Brunton Park earlier in the season when he should have been sent off I think everyone is in, in agreement on that one but he's out with an, is an ACL injury I think he's, he picked up that that must be another big blow as well yeah ACL um and his contract's out in the summer so we don't know if we'll see him yeah. again unfortunately big big loss um a really dynamic player he looked really good when he came in January for us last year and he really kicked on this season um, got some big goals, a winner against Luton in the Cup, um, obviously scoring at Brunton Park as well. He scored yeah. a few others in the league. Uh, uh, just an all-round quality player. Well, you know, he could go up another league, but a massive loss for us at the moment, I think. Who are the danger men in the squad that we need to watch out for then for this game? Danger men in the squad? Ooh, I'll give you a few. Uh, Dion Rankin on the right wing on loan from yeah. Chelsea. Um, scored his first league goal against Reading at the weekend. He's just come on leaps and bounds recently. Um, I think a lot of the recent form you can kind of put to him. Uh, got a really nice assist at Stevenage as well. Just looked much better. Um, really impressed with him. I think the likes of Sonny Cox, a youngster coming through, who's our striker at the moment, scored the winner against Wickham. Um, the fans, really big fan of him. Um, may not start, but he's definitely one to look out for. And then I'm going to say Luke Harris, who we signed today on loan from Fulham. Um, should have come in the summer. Really, really good player. Um, and I know a lot of fans were excited to see him in the summer, but to see him now, really interesting. Yeah, very interesting indeed. Um, I think there's much, not much else to ask, really, in terms of rest of the season. I suppose the aim is just sem- simply to get yourselves away from trouble. And, and you know, it, it, it is going to be a bit of a fight at the moment, isn't it? Because you look at it and... I don't think there's a huge amount to pick between maybe the bottom eight in the division, is there? No, I think it's all open, which is really nervy for, for you know, for Exeter City fans and probably Carlisle fans as well. Mm. You know, we're kind of in the same park where goals aren't coming, you know, easily. I know you lot have signed Luke Armstrong, which might help out in that mm-hmm. category. But, you know, it's mistakes and goals and that's massive in a League One dogfight. And there's... You know, there's five or six teams that don't look that that great down there. You know, Reading, Cambridge could get dragged back in. I still wouldn't rule Wickham out of it yet already. You know, it's really open at the bottom. And there's no team set adrift yet, which is really interesting and very nerving for Exeter City, to be honest. Yeah. Um, Sam, you've been very generous for your time. Thank you very much. Before you go, uh, I'll ask you for a prediction for this weekend's game. Uh, I'm going to say Exeter win at 1-0. Yeah, well, to be fair, you're not the only person to have said that this season on the, on the predictions here, so that's it's not not a massive surprise. Um, thanks for your time again, and all the best for the rest of the season after this weekend, as long as it's not at the expense of Carlisle staying up. <laughs> Pleasure, mate. Thank you very much. All the best too. Hi, it's uh, Tom Pyatic the second, and you're listening to the Brunton Bugle. And yes, we're back into part three of the Brunton Bugle. Thanks once again to Sam Parks, the Exeter City fan, for giving up his time to speak to us ahead of this weekend's massive game I think it's fair to say Mike you know I mean mm. can you start throwing around the phrase six pointer in January um yeah I mean I, I, I've always been a firm believer you know teams look at results at the end of the season and they'll say oh if only we'd won that last game of the season but every game matters just as much yeah. as the last game of the season you know and yeah we I don't want to look back at the end of the season and think oh if only we'd got better against Exeter because we've already lost them once so yeah yeah if if they're to sort of take six points off us that's this season that'd be devastating 
Yeah, it'd be pretty frustrating, wouldn't it, to follow up here? Because that's been our problem this season, isn't it? Following up a good performance with another good performance. It's generally been mm. followed with a stinker usually, hasn't it? Or, you know, a little, you know, one of those games mm. where we've just frustrated ourselves and not quite been good enough. Um, yeah, uh, just just before we get into it, though, just to mention there, obviously you, you heard a little bit of uh, the um, little sting that we play in, in the breaks there with Tom Piatic II. You're going to hear a bit more from him, though, next week, aren't you? Because uh, Dan and I, hopefully... We've we've got it pinned down. We're going to be speaking to Tom Bike the second, and we'll have a special episode for you uh, where we'll have a chat with him about the takeover, uh, get a bit, little bit more background on his life as well, and uh, what's planned for United in the next uh, coming years. Really, so very excited, looking forward to that one. Uh, thanks once again to Tom for agreeing to do that with us because um, we know he listens to the pod. So um, it'll be good to have him on at some point next week, and we'll let you know when that's coming out. Just follow all our social channels, and if you subscribe to the podcast, of course, if you go to whatever podcast app you use, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, anything like that, click subscribe, and every time a new episode comes out, you'll get a little notification. You can download it and listen to it at your pleasure. There's loads of old episodes you can go listen to on there. Really, really happy in terms of the listener figures, actually, I have to say now. They've gone through the roof over the last couple of years. It's been really, really fantastic. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and Thanks to everyone who comes up to both me and Mike when we're at games, don't they? And, and says says hello and says, oh, yeah. are you so-and-so from the... They recognize our voice before they say... I think sometimes people like, hear the voice and turn around like, are you so-and-so from the... Yes, yes, I am so-and-so from the... It'll nothing will be um, sliced from Twitter. I'm sure he'll enjoy having his name uh, yeah. right out here. When me and you were in Wigan, so we when we go to home games, we we... I get the train from Liverpool to Wigan. You get the train from Southport to Wigan. Um, but you come into Wigan Wargate and I come into Wigan Northwestern. So I, we go out to the there's a little, I'll tell a little story of it. We're going to the Morrison's local shop there and get, get some water or some drinks and some scrum for the, for the train up. And we were just stood outside there and a, and a fella just taps us on the uh, shoulders and he goes, and he takes his headphone and goes, you're not going to believe this. I've just heard your voice in here and you're stood here with me. And it was, uh, it was, yeah, Slice from Twitter. He, was, uh, he wasn't able to get to the game that day. He was working, but he said, like, I'm just listening to you while I'm out on my route. This is mad. I was like, it really is a small world, isn't it? When something like that happens, it's, it's, it's absolutely balmy. But yeah, thank you everyone for listening. We really yeah. appreciate it. And we've got lots more to come over the next coming months. Right. Let's look ahead to the exit game then, Mike. Um, interesting what exit, aren't they? Because when they beat us back in August with that, criminal 2-0 win where they should have been down to mm-hmm. 10 men uh, with uh, exes Dimitri Mitchell um, the, the winner of the baby boy Byfield uh, 2003 um, big shout out to Joe Stevenson there uh, Kyle United fan who does that uh, mental mental award each year um, should have been sent off in that game two games later eight games in their top of the league fast forward to now mm. what, nearly 20 games later they're what fourth bottom it, it's crazy it shows yeah. how it can really turn around quite quickly in the league doesn't it you know in terms of you know you can go up to a good start but if you don't keep it up you can find yourself dropping down the table are you quite surprised that they've dropped down so far um yeah i mean i did think at the start of the season it was a bit of a false position it's it's funny we've played a few teams that started the season uh port vale were another one and they were yeah. absolutely flying when we played them and they're not flying anymore um and Stevenage, and when we played Stevenage, I thought, oh, yeah, they won't last up there either. I mean, Stevenage pretty much have. They've gone off a little <laughs> bit, but they're still, yeah. you know, but yeah, they're still in the top seven now. But um, but yeah, so yeah, Exeter and Port Vale have both sort of uh, stumbled down the league, but it's one of them. There's, there is some very big fish in this league, isn't there? And 
absolutely zero disrespect to Exeter. I've got a lot of time for them as a football club. There's a lot of football clubs I hate, um, and Exeter <laughs> aren't one of them. Um, but, you know, it, it is a tough league, and, and there's a lot of big fish, and Exeter, sadly, it, it's, it's, it is hard to compete with the Boltons, the Portsmouths, and, the, you know, the Peterboroughs et al. of this league. And, and they're, they're a club of touch on it a minute, who rely heavily on young players coming through youth, youth academy products to, to get themselves up there, don't they? Mm. And if that drops off, you suddenly find yourselves in a bit of trouble, don't you? You know, when you, you, you have to bring in players who, and you have to almost ruin the balance of your squad in that sense. Um, here's a stat for you. They've only had one win since September. That was the 1-0 victory uh, three games ago against uh, Wickham Wanderers. They've picked up just seven points from the last 48 available. I mean, that, that, that's pretty telling, that isn't it? Um, mm. You can imagine Gary Caldwell must be under threat of it. I mean, if we, if we lose this game, start of the transfer window, surely they're starting to think maybe we'll have to get rid of him now because if we if we delay it any longer and things still bad, well, you're gonna have to get rid of someone before the window shuts. Shuts, and you don't give them very much time to find new players, do you? You know, that that's something that fell into our laps almost a couple of years ago with Simo. We got very lucky in terms of incoming him. That could have mm. been a disaster, couldn't it? So do you reckon he's under... He must be under threat, surely. Yeah, but at the same time, Exeter aren't a club that sack managers as willy-nilly no. as other clubs, are they? Um, no, they're not. So, yeah, I mean, naturally, if you're under a run like that, yeah, you are going to be under threat. But as to whether or not they get rid of him or they want him to see it out is is another matter. I mean, losing Sam Nombe last August is a big blow for them, wasn't it? You know, he scored so many goals for them and mm. such a big player. Get £1.1 million pounds for him, it's great. And they can probably spend a bit of that in this January transfer window. But it's difficult to replace a player of that quality, isn't it? No matter how much money you've got when you're a club the size of Exeter. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they lost uh, Jamal Blackman as well, the keeper, uh, who had mm. been, I think, he'd been their number one for a good few years, I think. Um, yeah. You know, we've seen ourselves, you know, replacing a keeper. It's probably the hardest position on the pitch to to replace, really. Um, Mm. And they lost Jack Sparks to Portsmouth as well. And all of a sudden, that's a bit of a span of your team that's just gone. And yeah, it's it's not been easy for them to to build it back up again. Well, yeah, this is the point I I made in the chat with, um, with Sam, that when you look at the squad... In previous years, you when you before I put together these previews and I put together what the squad is, you'd, you'd probably be able to in your head remember. I can remember about seven or eight Exeter players, I, I and you recognise yeah, yeah. the names straight away. I don't get that now. I, I mean, I'm looking through the squad. I mean, looking at the midfield, yeah. I think a, a push. I mean, recognise Tom Carroll because he was a big player, a big club, but not really in terms of long term Exeter. Mm. Maybe Kyle is it Kyle Taylor? Maybe is the only one I think there. Maybe. I mean, even an attack. I mean, I don't really recognise any of the players there in terms of long-term plays. Pierce Sweeney, really, is the only one that stands out for me and think, oh, I remember him. And Alex, Alex Hartridge has been there a while. Other than that, it, there's been a quite a turnover, I think, in recent seasons, hasn't there? They've, as you mentioned, they lost Blackman, Nombe, Sparks. I mean, Jake Caprice and um, and Archie Collins were both big players. Josh Keith, you know, they, they're the kind yeah. of players you've remembered for like three or four years there. I think it's probably yeah. starting to catch up on them a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, well, I remember Caprice because he was the wing-back one that hadn't scored a goal, like, ever. And scored yeah. yeah, I remember now. That was <laughs> when, the, day, uh, the day we when had... When me went down when Keith Millen was manager. 
and there was the uh, the animal poo on the back step of the terrace. We had to put a, a cardboard cup over yeah. to make yeah. sure neither of us stood on it during the game. Um, At least we hope it was an animal. It, if it wasn't, then it, it was a very, very small human poo. Let's just put it that way. Um, that's enough talk about that. Uh, I don't want to talk about animals and, and things like that. I'll maybe I'll leave that for the uh, for the little extra afterwards. There's a little story I'll, I'll, I'll tell as to why we have to record a little bit late today. Um, summer signings. What, what did what did you make of the players they brought in? I mean. They normally don't bring that many. They normally have just that little bit of experience to go with the youth, don't they? And they, they've obviously had to make a lot more signings this this season. I mean, I'm looking at it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen signings. Not really like them, is it? Mm. To be fair, it's quite a big turnover. Who stands out there for you? Um, well, I think Jack Aitchison. Had he not been on loan there or something? I think so. he was at Forest Green, wasn't he, a couple of years ago? I remember that. I think he was at Barnsley on loan from Forest Green. Ah, Forest yeah, Green, for, no, yeah for, Forest Green, I think I remember him from, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I thought he, he was a pretty handy player when he's played mm. against us um, in the past. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, th- there's a few who were, uh, you know, because the, the players have lost have, have ultimately gone on to better clubs, you know. Yeah. He had Josh Key went to Swansea, Archie Collins, Peterborough. Um, Giovanni Brown's a bit of a controversial one, isn't it? But they just wanted rid yeah. of him. Um, you know, Jack Sparks touched on Jamal Blackman um, and Sam Nomba. But they've all sort of gone on to better things. And a lot of the replacements have been kind of punts from non-league, mm. um, which sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. But you're requiring most of them to work yeah really and you know they're not all going to work are they so no i think you know yeah. gonna... um, I, I think they only took they only took on i think four loanees which they always seem mm. to be a team that takes on the maximum five from what i seem to recall um yeah but yeah they um like you say they don't have you used to be able to name a good few players from their lineup and that kind of spine is gone, and I think that's that's why they're they're struggling. Really, fifteen players in, they're all going to take a bit of time to adapt, aren't they? Yeah, I mean Yannick Wilshut's name I've heard of before as well. I suppose it, 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 there's one there, and um, Tom Carroll's the obvious one, isn't he? A technically, very very good football. He's been very unlucky with injuries in his career, and I think Dion. Uh, Dion Rankin seems to have done quite well there. Ryan Trevitt looked quite good actually in the game at Brunton Park. I was quite impressed with him. But yeah, beyond that, it's it's much of a muchness really for them, isn't it? You know, I'm looking at the recent results as well. I mean, mm. they get they seem to do all right against the better teams. They got you know a nil nil draw against Portsmouth and a one one draw with Stevenage. But then they're losing to Port Vale, who we saw are not a particularly great side. They've lost two 0 to Cambridge, who've mm. been struggling a little bit, and. You know, a 3-2 defeat against Reading, one of the fellow strugglers as well, in the last game. And uh, if you want to watch this back, I mean, the, the goal that the, the the third, the second goal, sorry, for Reading is an absolute shambles at the back for them. It's really not good defending at all. They failed to clear it and it's an own goal. It's heading to the back of the net from across. It's it's not great. I think it's fair to say. Um, yeah. Uh, I feel like it's one we really got to go for the, for the three points in, really. I, feel, I think we've got to sense a bit of blood here and think, right, let, let's use the confidence of that win against Port Vale. 
and get them on the back foot and try and get results from this one. That, that's what I'm really hoping for anyway. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Right, let's touch on some of the other little bits before we uh, talk about United. Uh, referee for this one, Carl Brook from East Sussex. It's his fourth season as an EFL referee. I think he's actually from Scotland originally. So also think on soccer base about that. Um, he's taken charge of 21 games so far this season, handing out 95 yellows and two red cards. Um, I don't think the stats I've got here for last season are correct because I think I didn't update it. Sorry about that. Uh, uh, he has only taken charge of one United game before. That was the... Trip to Swindon back in August 2021. I think Joe Riley scored a brilliant goal in that game, I seem to remember. And Tristan Abraham scored a penalty, if I remember rightly, I think, possibly. Uh, Brennan Dickinson I and can't remember. Magnus Norman were booked that day. Head-to-head-wise, we've not got a very good record against them. It's the 67th meeting of the two sides, and we've won 20, drawn 11, 17, and we've lost 29. We've only won once against them in the last 12 games. The last 12 fixtures, and that was the 1 0 victory at Brunton Park in the 2021 uh, season where with the fans weren't allowed to go. And I think this was, I think this was like the last good win we got during the period, you know, when we had a load of games that were called off. I think after this, we went rapidly down yes, the hill after it this was. game. Was uh, Lewis Alessandro scored? I think scored in like the, yeah, I think it was in, the, in like the first five minutes. Um, yeah, and we were all like, because. It, we've been so long without a game and we're all yeah. like roaring to get back and we started so well and then our season just fell apart. <laughs> so. And, if, and if I remember rightly, it was a one o'clock kickoff because I think they wanted to save money on the floodlights because they thought, well, no fans are there. You might as well do it at one o'clock because then watch it at home. If I remember rightly, I'm sure we got a few yeah. games like that, didn't we? I think, I think I, you might be right there, yeah. I'm, I'm still gutted that we never had that Tuesday, like one o'clock kickoff against uh, Leighton Orient that we were nearly had or something at one point. Remember, we tried to do that and it got called off because of the uh, yeah. snow or the ice, I think it was. Yeah. Oh, that, that would have been incredible. Um, yeah, so that's in terms of those stats. Uh, well, let's talk about United then, Mike. Um, it sounds like from what Simo said in the pre-match thing, there's a couple of possible injury issues. You'd imagine maybe one of them might be Taylor Charters who did hobble off with what looked like a dead leg and maybe struggling to recover from that bare mind. It's a Monday to Saturday rather than a Saturday to Saturday, this one. Um, would you make any changes other than that, potentially? Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I, I felt like the midfield on Saturday, Charters and Moxon, just have a little bit of an understanding together. Yeah. Um, and I'd I'd like to sort of stick with that. Um, wouldn't surprise me though if I mean it's tough, isn't it? Because who do, who do you drop? Because if you're to play Charters and Moxon, that implies dropping Gibson. If you if you're to play the three at the back, um, yeah, uh, yeah, it's tough. I, um, I, 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 I mean, Simo I... does like to stick with the winning team. To be fair. He does, but then he said this recently, hasn't he, that sometimes he's like, maybe I've made a mistake doing that. Tell you what I'd do. I probably would mm. take Charters out, and that's not a reflection on his performance. I thought he was I thought he was arguably, until he got injured, probably what I man of the match against uh, Port Vale. He really controlled the midfield. He some really nice touches in there. But you don't want to risk him getting a longer-term injury there. If he's got a slight dead leg, don't risk it. Bring Harrison Neal in for him, and then mm. if you push Moxon a little bit further forward, Neal can do the defensive role. Mm. Gibson in there as well. And then I'd probably switch Garner out for um, Luke Armstrong. I'd bring Luke Armstrong in from the start. Yeah. He played that much money for him. Back in to be fit. He starts alongside Maguire. That also gives you the option to fit, switch to 4 3 3. If you want, you can push Mellish into midfield. The rest of the team, I'd, I'd keep as it was. 
Um, and then obviously on the bench, I think Whelan will probably drop out in favour of um, Garner dropping to the bench and obviously Armstrong coming in. And if Neil comes in, I guess you'd, yeah, you'd have to maybe look at what you do with that in terms of Neil. You have to look at what you do in terms of Grehan coming in, which I imagine he'd probably be on the bench as well. So it's good to have options, isn't it, finally? It's been a while, so it's nice yeah. to have a few options on the bench. And we've still got JJ to come back as well. Yeah. We completely forget about that. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with that. Uh, I'd like to see... I, I, I think that along stri- alongside Armstrong, I think Maguire would look a different player. Um, yeah. And for me, Garner has been good with his goals this season. But mm. purely off memory and with no stats to back me up on this because I'm a professional and do zero research, but I think <laughs> that Joe Garner, most of his goals are coming in the second half this season. Yeah. So bring him on in the second half and let him yeah. have fresh legs because that seems to be when he comes alive. So let him have fresh legs in that second half, coming on off the bench and causing havoc because he can yeah. cause plenty of havoc when he's knackered as well. So I'd love yeah. to see him with fresh legs causing havoc. Yeah, I potentially maybe I would drop wheeling out for um, obviously Ed Armstrong, but Armstrong would come into the starting eleven, and maybe McGeek out for Grehan possibly for extra defender when you're playing down um, somewhere like Exeter. So plenty of options, you know. It's, it's, like I said, it's not, it's nice to have have that uh, that concern rather than concern of filling the bench itself, which has been the problem for a while. Yeah. Now. Um, just a little shout, obviously, with the players who's still out on loan. Max Killsby's loan's up, so it'll be interesting to see whether that gets extended to the end of the season or maybe gets recalled, maybe to send him out somewhere else, possibly, for the for the rest of the campaign. Um, Kai Nugent's is until the end of the season, so he's still fine. Jaden Harris's loan will run out in the next few weeks, I think. Uh, scored a goal, though, for Eastley, didn't he, the other day? Nice little finish from a corner, actually, so mm. really nice to see uh, Jaden getting on the score yeah, sheet. Although he, he did a controversial retweet after the Wigan game, didn't he? I think he's just retweeting one of his mates there. I think footballers do not look into it anywhere near as much as people think sometimes. I think uh, I think it's one of those ones that we're very much in danger of, like the Gibson thing, reading a lot more into it than is actually the case. So I'm hoping that anyway, at the very least. Um, prediction time, Mike. Um, I, I've done this wrong on the thing. I've just spotted this. I apologize. Yeah. I filled it in wrong. So the last game... Someone got a full. You got a point uh, in the game against. Uh, was it against Fleetwood? Was it you got a point the other day? Yeah, I got. Predicted? I predicted Moxon to score. So you got Moxon to score in the game against uh, Port Vale. Um, Dan got a full house, didn't he? Yeah. So, so, so what you did got, he get right? Well, you get one point. Yeah, you get one point for each goal scorer, two points for a correct score, and you get three bonus points if you get a full house. So Dan got, well, two points for the correct score. He got another two points for the two correct goal scorers, and then he got the three bonus points. So he got seven points, which uh, puts him clear in the lead. But it goes to show how many points you can get if you get a full house. So it could easily change this weekend. I I just got to say about that, like... um... I really hope he put some money on it because <laughs> he could have won a bit of money on that, couldn't he? If he'd, if he'd gone for two one <laughs> and uh, Gibson and Mellish oh, yeah. to score, so I'm, I'm guessing because I, I always forget it. I keep thinking mm-hmm. I should do it every time just in case. But uh, but yeah, no, the fair play, Danny got it absolutely well, bang on. If I put money on all of my predictions this season, I'd have lost a hell of a lot of money. So oh, <laughs> you'd, you'd be in a severe amount of debt, wouldn't you? Speaking of which, let's get yours <laughs> yeah. out of the way. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for a three-one win. And I'm going to say Luke Armstrong will get a brace 
and Sam Lavelle will score the other. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go for... I think Gabriel's going to keep a clean sheet. Let's let's, let's be more positive. I'm going to 3-0. And I'm going to go Luke Armstrong will score on his debut. Um, I think uh, Sean Maguire is going to get a goal because, like I said, I think he'll benefit from having uh, Armstrong mm-hmm. up there with him. And um, Owen Moxon will get the other goal as well. So there you go. I'm going to go for Armstrong, uh, Maguire, and Moxon in a 3-0 win. Right, let's have Dan's prediction for this one. New year, new signings, and new positive outlook for the Blues, hopefully. I want to go for a good battle, uh, 2-1 win. And I think we'll probably all go with Luke Armstrong to notch. <laughs> and I'll go for Owen Moxon for the other one. Oh, for God's sake. Like, <laughs> he's, covering, he's covering me off there. It's just typical, that, isn't it? I've got to hope for the 3-0 and get the full house now, haven't I? Um, right, there you go. So that's the predictions, right? Let's wrap things up for this episode. Let's do the X-Files. Bit of a bumper one because we didn't do one uh, in the last festive preview one. Um, so we're going to start with the pre-Christmas games. And uh, we're going to go to the land down under to start. And Zach Clough, uh, he was on the score sheet for Adelaide United in a 3-1 loss against Newcastle Jets. Um, Callum O'Hare, he's really found a bit of form since he got back to fitness, which is really nice to see. He scored for Coventry City mm. in their 3-0 win at Sunderland. Paddy Madden, he netted from the penalty spot in a big win for Stockport County, a 2-1 victory over Notts County in the pre-Christmas game. Stockport running away, aren't they, I think, pretty confident that they will be in League One next season, the way it's going. Um, yeah, I hope so. And, and Notts County have lost their manager, haven't they, by the looks of things. It looks like he's off to Swansea City, so they've got to find a replacement for him now. Mm. Um, Andy Cook's finding a little bit of form again. He got two goals for Bradford City in their 3-1 win at Doncaster Rovers. Uh, this is a man I'm going to mention quite a bit now because he, he, he's had a very good Christmas, to say the least. Uh, Olafelo Olamola, he scored twice. For Bromley in their 2-2 draw with Altrinham. And finally, Sean, this is one Dan actually missed, and I spotted it while I was looking through the things. Sean McGinty was sent off at Air United in their 4-4 draw at Rafe Rovers just before Christmas. Do you reckon uh, that he's, uh, he had uh, some big plans for Christmas Day, Sean McGinty possibly, picking up that red card in a yeah, game like that? Yeah, tactical standing off, I think. Yeah. Very clever, lad. Very clever, lad. Uh, on to Boxing Day. I said I was going to mention him a couple of times. Olafela Olamola, he scored for Bromley in their 3-2-1, sorry, 3-2 win at Epsleet United. Uh, Mark Beck, he was on the score sheet for Solihull Moors in their 2-0 win over Chesterfield. Big win for them, that, isn't it, really? Because um, Chesterfield are right mm. up at the top of uh, the National League. Uh, Manny Mampala, he was on the score sheet for Marine in their 1-1 draw with Warrington Rylands. On to uh, the games after Boxing Day. Uh, Olafela Olamola, once again, scored another goal, uh, this time in Bromley's 5-1 win over Epsley, you know, you forget the fact that they switch the fixtures, don't they, over Christmas in the National League, which I quite mm. like. I think they should do it in the Football League, that. And that would be much better, mm. much fairer as well, actually. Um, and then James Tavernier, he scored for Rangers in their 2-1 defeat to Celtic in the Old Firm derby. Gavin Riley scored for Queen of South in their 2-1 win over Anna Athletic in the Borders derby. Uh, Mark Beck once scored once again. It's a bit of a double there, isn't it? He scored for Solihull Moors in their three-two defeat at Chesterfield, and finally Brad Young scored a brace for the New Saints in their four-nil win at Connors Key Nomads. I love that team name. It's one of my favourite team names, that Connors <laughs> Key Nomads. Uh, onto the other news, there's a few little bits here. Uh, start with a little bit of sad news, isn't it? Um, Mask United of the Northern Premier League, same level as Workington, I believe. Um, 
they've uh, announced that they were they were having a few financial issues, weren't they? I think they sort of there's a suggestion that they may be sort of over overreached, shall we say, in recent seasons. It's reached sort of a boiling point, and they've managed to get enough money to save the club. Unfortunately, not to keep them running for this season in the Northern Premier League. So they've resigned from the league, mm-hmm. and it'll depend on what they want to do next season. They're going to work out what league they go into. But um, good news for them. But sadly, Jason Kennedy plays for them. So uh, he's now without a club. So I'll be interested to see where he ends up. I, I wonder if maybe, I wonder if um, Danny Granger might just give him a little ring, you know, get him over to Workington over the other side of the A66 um, and play a few games for him possibly mm-hmm. there. Or I, I do wonder if it might be the end of his career though, which would be really sad really if that's the way it ends. But, you know, hopefully, hopefully yeah. we'll get something. There's, a, there's something you missed out. With well, Northeast coaching staff, um, um, Anthony Sweeney is now the assistant at Hartlepool. Oh yes, he is. He's, he's it's a caretaker thing alongside um, Lenny Lawrence, isn't it? Lenny, how old is Lenny Lawrence? I'm gonna have to look that up. Mm. Right? He's been announced as the caretaker of uh, <laughs> Hartlepool, and and he's been around for ages. Um, how old is he? 76 years old. Wow, <laughs> that's that's <laughs> certainly uh, getting the year of there, isn't it? But fair play. Um, yeah, so uh, as you mentioned, Anthony Sweeney is one of the caretakers at uh, Hartlepool United after John Askey's departure there. In danger of going down to the National League North, aren't they? Uh, Hartlepool. Yeah, real, real it's risk crazy. Mad. Um, I mean, it's, it's another moment that makes you think that if Simo hadn't come back, we would, we'd be in that situation, if, if yeah, not potentially. the situation. So Potentially. It's, it's terrifying, yeah. isn't it, to think about. Um, Geffen mm. Jones. He's been called up to the Australia squad for the Asia Cup. I think it's his first call for them as well, isn't it? So that's fantastic stuff for him. He's had a really mm. tough couple of years, hasn't he, with what happened with his mum and stuff. So really, really nice to see that. Uh, Ethan Walker, mm. he's joined Oldham Athletic on loan from Blackburn Rovers. Courtney Meppen-Walter has turned up at Nantwich Town. I think he was at Buxton last, I think, if I remember rightly. So uh, he's just making his way around the sort of Cheshire non-league circuit now, isn't he? I think it's fair to say. He's a big lad these days, isn't he? He's a he's one of those ones. Yeah. If you're a non-league, if you're a non-league striker, you wouldn't want to come up against him, would you? You'd look and think, oh, I'm, I'm not sure. No. You know, if, if you've got a bit of pace, you'd be delighted because you think oh, I can get away from him. If you haven't, you think oh, I'm, I'm I'm not going to be able to shake him off all day. He's a he's a big big lad. Uh, and finally, just one that broke yeah, early well, today. To Adam, fair, when he when he played for us, Mapping Walter, like I, he was carrying a bit of timber then, and I half thought, yeah. well, if I'd just got out of prison. I'd be going a bit mad on the pizzas, the kebabs, <laughs> the things that I haven't been able to have. Yeah. But he's still yeah. going for it. So, yeah. fair play. Fair. You know, yeah. I, I back him yeah. all the way. Good, good luck, lad. <laughs> uh, finally, a little bit of breaking news that emerged early today. Adam Murray has left his role as assistant manager at Cheltenham Town, and he's taken up the manager's job at Eastbourne Borough in the National League South. Um, fair play to me. Clearly wants to be a manager himself, doesn't he? But... He's chopping in mm. his career path recently. I mean, I'm, I'm going to have to load this up now. It, it's mental, isn't it? He's just chopped from mm. club to club it's to been club. Up and down like a yo yo, wasn't it? I'm just looking at it here. So he was manager at Mansfield Town for two years. Then he went to Boston United for a year. He was Barnsley caretaker a couple of times, an assistant manager there as well, I think. He then went to Besiktas to be assistant manager there. <laughs> then he was in charge of AFC Fylde recently. Uh, he left that role. Um, he became the assistant manager at Cheltenham and now he's the manager at Eastbourne Borough. We should say as well, Chris Beach has been appointed full-time as well as the manager of mm. uh, AFC Files, which is no massive surprise, really. So uh, so there you go. Um, that's it there, Mike. I think that's pretty much the today's yeah. episode wrapped up. Um, 
I think the new systems work well. I'm going to have to listen back to it now because it's been a little bit patchy on my end, but I think it records locally. So I'm fingers crossed this has worked because we basically, we had a few issues with our previous studio, didn't we? So we thought we'll try something different. Yeah. I'm using a trial on this one at the moment. So if it's any good, I'll actually pay for it and we'll, we'll use it full time as, as the thing. But, uh, but yeah, so upcoming episodes, obviously, as you mentioned, we're going to be doing a review of obviously the Exeter game and a preview of the Oxford game, which we're both going to. Um, there will be the interview episode with uh, Tom Piatic II as well coming up, which I'm really looking forward to. We're hoping to sort one out with uh, Tom Senior as well at some point in the near future. But obviously, he's a busy man at the moment. You know, there's a sorting a few things out, so uh, there's no massive rush with that one. And I think because me and Dan are going to have to test out the system, see if it works for him. We're hoping as well to get a little uh, mini, one of the bite-sized bugle ones done on Monday, possibly. So you might get a little bit of something extra as well at some point soon. But um, yeah, I think that's it. Nothing else to cover, Mike, I think, today. No, I think we've covered all, all bases now into the new year where we can uh, have a bit more of a consistent kind of recording schedule because it's been yeah. a bit all over the place, hasn't it? Uh, it has as well. And, and I should say, uh, anyone asking, Dan's been moving house and that's the reason why we haven't been able to get him on too much recently. He's been quite busy with that and the Trust AGM stuff as well took up a bit of time. So uh, hoping Dan will be back on a bit more regularly in the near future as well. So we've got Adam as well helping us out, which has been brilliant, you know, and he's, he's practically, you know, one, one part of the family now pretty much isn't he? he's on on every other week almost so uh, I'm sure Adam will probably be yeah. back on next week as well so uh, all I've got left to say is uh, thanks everyone for listening and most importantly of all up the blues up the blues So for those who are still listening now, now that the outro is done, here's the story. So basically, I got home tonight, uh, opened up the back door of the kitchen to let my cat in. So I got two cats, Monty and Minnie. Uh, Minnie was already in. I was just basically waiting for Monty to come in. Went into the hall to hang up my coat, came back into the kitchen, and Monty had left, uh, to, to quote the UB40 uh, song, uh, a rat in my kitchen. He would literally brought in a dead rat and dropped it in the middle of the kitchen and just stared at me as if to say, well, what are you going to do with this? And the answer to that was was to swear very loudly at him, close the inside kitchen door and basically ignore him until he meowed a lot and took it back out. No one needed to know that story, but Regan likes us to go a little bit at the end for everyone to listen to, doesn't he, Mike? So there you go. And no, you've seen for anyone there. who wanted to know when there's a rat in your kitchen, what are you going to do? Lee has just explained what he did in that situation you know it's not one size fits all you know different people different cats different rats yeah you might do different things but you know yeah. that's just how, how how lee did it so there just, you go just just ignore the little and wait for him to take it back out again that's the answer there you go <laughs> we'll be back soon thank you for listening once again <laughs>